0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents, Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. It's for me tonight. Hallelujah, God cares about me. I'm one of his children. Come on, somebody! God don't have favorites. God don't have specials. He don't have respective persons. God loves his kids, and he's got a weakness for them so much so that see, there's nothing in me that would make me want to run out here on Interstate 77 and throw myself in the line of a speeding truck. But you let one of my kids or my grandbaby be out there, and I would throw myself in the line of a speeding truck if I could save them from the tragedy or from the catastrophe that was ahead of them. And can I tell you, God so loved us so much that He wrapped Himself in human flesh and said, come on, I came and cast myself in the line of destruction that belonged to the human family because I loved you this much! This much! Hallelujah! And He stretched His arms out and showed us how much He cared for us. And then I hear things in my spirit like this. If God, who spared not His only Son, but freely gave Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him freely give us all things? If that love don't produce faith. See, faith works by love. Our problem is, I don't think God loves me enough. I think we've always been told He's mad at us. Come on, somebody. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He may not be in agreement with everything you're doing in your life. And what He will do is He will bring correction so you stop destroying yourself. But He will add the rod all right. And if you allow Him, He'll put Jesus right smack dab in the middle of your life. He'll put you right in the middle. Come on. And fill you with the Holy Ghost. Because He knows then it's not by your might or by your power, but by His Spirit that produces it in us. Amen. See, the old covenant was a bunch of rules uh, to a bankrupt humanity that demanded everything and delivered nothing. But the new covenant is a God who gives you everything and really expects nothing in return. See, this is our mission. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? You want to know what it is? It's to simply receive the unconditional love of God and then give it away to the next person you meet. That's it. I don't know what God wants me to do in my life. He wants you to receive the, uh, come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. The unconditional love of a father and then give it away to the next person you meet. That's it. Hallelujah. And then I saw, begin to see something. I'm going to get very far tonight, but I'm going to, I'm going to really dig in here. the so the go a little deeper in just a moment. I was telling Scott the last time, I don't know if I was here, I mentioned this or not, but then I began to discover some things about father's love, even with my grandbaby, because I had this, you know, I seen this, I saw this pink Barbie car. In Costco, and I said to my wife, Look at that. And she said, It's a little bit expensive, isn't it? I said, You wouldn't want her to have a cheap one, would you? And so I jumped the gun a little bit. I bought her a, one of those little battery operating cars for Christmas last year. Now, she got more kick out of the helmet that went with it than she did the car. But I bought her this little cute, you know, it looks like a little bicycle helmet. It looks like a little bullet when you put it on. She gets this little pink hat out. And she puts it on. She falls in love with the hat. She wears the hat almost all day. So she really just loves the hat. I said, do you want to go out in the garage and see what that goes to? So she said, yeah. So we go out there, and all of a sudden she sees this little car sitting there, a little sports car, little, little uh, you know, battery-operated deal you can drive. And she goes, oh, for me? I see, that to me is praise, the wonder of it all. And so I said, that's for you. Paul Paul loves you. So she gets in this little car, she can hardly reach the little gas pedal on it. When she hits the gas pedal, it kind of jerks a little bit. And I'm real excited. I'm more excited than she is about this car, because I want, you know, it's my pleasure to give her the kingdom. You understand, God's excited about us getting, come on. Oh, I hear the Lord talking to me now. God's excited about the. He's more willing to bless us than we are to receive. If that's how God has a good time is by giving us the kingdom. My response to that is go ahead and enjoy yourself tonight, Daddy. Have a blast. Hallelujah. And so man, she she went to get in this car, and when she got in the car, she hit the little gas pedal. It was fully charged. And when she did, it jerked. The car kind of jerked and went forward. It kind of scared her. She didn't know how to work the gas pedal and the steering wheel at the same time. And she says, I don't like it. I mean, air out of my sails, you know what I'm talking about? And so her daddy says, well, just, just, you know, take your pet foot and kind of just ease the gas pedal just a little, just a little bit more. And she goes, no, no, really, honestly, I really don't like it. (laughs) It's the funniest thing you've ever seen, but I said that to tell you this, sometimes God gives us some stuff and we're not used to the power of it and we back off and we think I don't like it because I'm afraid of it. I'm scared of it. What I'm trying to tell you is take your time. Come on, but get in the car. Come on and touch the power of it. What I believe God is about to do is put us in the driver's seat of a vehicle called the kingdom of God that's going to touch creation. We're going to see the sick healed, the dead raised to life. Hallelujah. I've got a friend. I got, the Lord has been good to me, brother Scott. Hallelujah. I don't know. I don't know if the last time I was here I had scheduled this or not, but I have always told the Lord, because you know they tell you, I'm not getting far today, but I'm having a good time. <laughs> uh, you know, they, uh, everybody told me my whole life, if you tell God you won't do something, that's exactly what He's going to make you do. Amen. So for years I told God I absolutely will not, I refuse to under no circumstance will I go to Hawaii in January and preach on the beach. <laughs> I think the last two three years in a row and just scheduled it again I go to I go to Hawaii every January hallelujah <laughs> hallelujah and preach the church just raises the side doors and he's kind of like you a little bit man I mean he's kind of like he's but he's much bigger than you but he comes in and flip-flops shorts Hawaiian shirt pastor does cool, cool cool dude if you're watching me God bless you pastor hallelujah but this dude is very unassuming I mean just you look at him, you think he just looks like a big kahuna This dude has raised 22 people from the dead. One of them had been in the morgue for five hours. Funeral arrangements had already been made. I believe it was for a five-year-old girl. He told me he went in and laid down beside this girl until she got warm. He said when she came to, it it scared her so bad because all she sees is this great big kahuna laying beside her. But God raised this little girl from the dead. When he came out walking in the hall to parents who had already made funeral arrangements with a little girl raised from the dead. See, I'm talking about somebody has got to get in this vehicle and test the power. You say, what if it don't work? What if it does? See, it's certainly not going to work if we don't, come on, if we don't give it a shot. I've seen a lot, come on, I've seen God do things and sometimes I've seen it not work. But see, here's what I heard the Holy Ghost say. If you can't take the glory for it when it does happen, you also don't have to bear the blame when it don't. I'm not the healer. He is. He didn't say, come on, he said, you just simply lay hands on the sick. I'll heal him. Come on, somebody. And it's not just for famous preachers. I believe God really is trying to do, pull down this, 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 come on, this big shot mentality Because we're waiting on the man of God to get to town, and the man of God is the guy that flew in here on an airplane, but the reality of it is the man of God is sitting right beside you. The woman of God is sitting right beside you. The woman and the man of God are right here in this house, and what happens is we marginalize them and we limit them because we see their humanity. In our conference last week, my, somebody asked my wife, they said, how it feel to live with a celebrity? She said, same as it did before he was. Before he was. <laughs> he, he's just exactly like you are. Can you hear what I'm saying? In other words, we are just people that God, come on, uses by his power. What I'm simply trying to say is we might be afraid of it. When we, I think that's where we've been. We've been afraid of it. But I'm going to tell you, the more times you get in that vehicle, and you know what, in that, that particular setting with my granddaughter, whenever, uh, you know, she got afraid of it, Mama, hallelujah, which is my wife. Yeah. She's about five foot one, about 115 pounds. She can fit in this little car. Paul, Paul would have buckled the wheels <laughs> hallelujah hallelujah but mama says come on i'll get in here with you and she climbed in there with her got her up on her lap and they started going around the yard just driving this little car what he's saying i'm saying sometimes people that are more seasoned need to get in the car with you hallelujah Hallelujah. See, I believe there's a gospel being declared. I believe for the first time in history we finally have a message that God can confirm with signs and wonders and diverse gifts of the Holy Ghost because it's not a message of telling you what's wrong with you. It's a message of telling you what's right with you. It's not a message that pushes you away. It's a message that says run to God. I don't care how messed up you are. I don't care what you've got in your life because from this pulpit to the door, every one of us have got something. Your issue may be different than somebody else's. But see, what we've done is we've disqualified people for everything you can imagine. And the old covenant did disqualify. come on but the new covenant qualifies my pastor just preached a message incredible message uh, because years ago I used to teach a message about you know uh, under the old covenant uh, that if you the, the bible said if you had a flat nose uh, you were disqualified from the priesthood if you had a, a hunched back you were disqualified from the priesthood if, if you had come on if you had uh, uh, if you had a running sword you were disqualified from the priesthood if you had uh, a blind eye you were disqualified from the priesthood and the list went on and on and Anointed by the time, and I used to preach that real good, Scott. Because I tell people, you know, if you got a flat nose, that means you don't have discernment, and God can't use you if you got if you got a club foot, it means you can't walk this out, and if you can't walk in holiness, God can't use you. And by the time I'm done, I'm thinking, well, it God can't use me either. Because the whole time I'm disqualifying somebody else, I'm disqualifying me. Yeah. But my pastor preached a message recently and she began to declare, she said, but in the New Testament, Jesus comes to a woman bowed to the earth and he says to her, you're not disqualified. Stand up right now. He comes to a man with a withered hand and says, stretch your hand down. Come on somebody He comes to the blind eyes and says he opens the blinded eyes. He comes to people with leprosy and he heals the condition of the human family. In other words, in the new covenant, Jesus took what disqualified you so that you could be... Be qualified and accepted in the beloved and the writer of the book of Philemon says this he said that the communication of your faith Is by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in them. I'm going to tell you the first time I started preaching to people that you are great and that you are the sons of God, that these are holy hands. People look at you like what rock did you crawl out from underneath of? But I've been doing it a long time now, and people are starting to become what I call believers. They're starting to believe I am who God said I am. Hallelujah. I don't know what you think about Joe Osteen, but I kind of like him because he'll stand up and say, This is my Bible. Hallelujah. I have what it says I have. I am who it says I am. And I can do what it says I can do. Somebody is going to believe the word. Somebody's going to realize, Daddy loves me. Somebody's going to realize the world is waiting on the church not to keep on telling them how bad it is. Does does anybody have a message? I didn't even think about this. Anybody got a message Bible on them tonight? Anybody in the room? Not even on a device with it? Look, I want you to look up, uh, I want you to look up John 3, 16 and 17. Can we do that? And then I'll let you read it and then I'll quote it so I can get it on the CD. Don't be afraid. John, Saint John 3, 16 and 17 from the message. Read for me or you can bring it to me if you're afraid to. 60 million people just saw you <laughs> I should have scared her I should have scared her she jumped right out of the car no <laughs> I love this translation this is how much God loved the world he gave his son his one and only son and that is why so His one and only son and this is why so that no one needs to be destroyed By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go into all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust Him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to Him. I'm telling you, somebody needs to hear that. God did not send his son into the world to point an accusing finger and tell the world how bad it is. But how I many of that's what's preached over America pulpits every week is how bad you are and how bad the world is. And so we sat here trying to get better and better and better until one of these days when we get good enough, God might be able to use me. I wish you'd lift this hand. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I wish you'd lift the other hand because the Bible says we can lift holy hands. They're not unholy hands. These are holy hands. And you can lift one of them without because God is not angry with you you can lift the other one without doubt because you know God is head over heels in love with you he is daddy God he is papa God hallelujah he went to my father and your father to my God and to your God to make it personal hallelujah so that you and I can live life in the context of sonship knowing hallelujah that everything God has for us we are able to do it hallelujah I love that. Let, I, I got get. I gotta get a little further tonight. Let me move on quickly. Let's go to John 13. Let's see the. Uh, hallelujah. He says in the context of, I go to my God and your God, my Father and your Father. I'm going to John, Ch- Saint John, chapter 13. He says, as my father sent me, so send I you. So how many can see that what he's doing is he's sending, he is not only making us sons, he's making us sons that he can send empowered to be able to touch creation. To simply love on his creation, what Jesus demonstrated the whole time he was here was a father. I came to reveal to you the father. I came to show you the father. I came to just love on my kids. And every time, man, you know what's amazing to me is, man, he he just walks up to people that everybody thinks are worthless. It's it's amazing to me that it's not always the holy dudes. It's the woman who washes his feet with hair. It's the prostitute. Come on, it's the it's the, it's the one nobody thinks is worth anything jesus just demonstrates the father he loves on them. he heals samaritan women he heals roman centurion soldiers people who don't even go come on to our churches he's just demonstrating the father's love now the night before his decease this is right before just a couple of days before he's about to deliver to his servants the elements of communion but everybody at the table everyone includes, see we think about sometimes I've I, I got so much to say I want to try to break it up into two services but, but the night before his decease when he is in the upper room and that's the last supper he takes the bread and the cup and he blesses the bread and he takes the cup and he says to them again I'm not going to drink wine until I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom we know that he drank the new wine in Acts chapter 2 so the kingdom was birthed. But he takes the bread and he says to those sitting there, this is my body. It was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we think about this sometimes and we think about what's going on. But I want you to picture this first of all. He takes a piece of bread. He breaks it and I could see him look straight across the table at Judas who he knows is going to betray him. He takes the bread. He said, this is my body it was broken for you. I don't know if that does anything for you or not. He knows he's good, but he's out. This provision, Judas, is broken for you. And we all, you know, we're down on Judas. I really kind of think Judas probably thought as many times as I've seen him do miracles, he's going to get out of this one too. I think he was probably shocked. But see, everybody, what we forget is, everybody at the table is going to betray him. Yeah. Peter's going to leave him. James is going to leave everybody. John follows him probably closer than anybody else. And Pete means it, man. I mean, here's Peter. He's like, Lord, man, I got your back, Holmes. I'm with you. I'll die with you. And Jesus said, man, Pete, I'm going to tell you something, man, before the rooster crows. You're going to die me three times before the rooster crows. I got this guy that travels with me. They came from a mob background, and him and I were sitting in Pontiac, Michigan, years ago, and, and uh, just the pastor had already left. Just me and him at the table, just him and I, and we're eating this clam chowder in these bread-looking bowls. Like, I looked across the table. I said, "What are you going to betray me?" He took his bread, dipped it in my bowl. He said, "Is it I, Master?" <laughs> <laughs> he has been very loyal, friend. Hallelujah. But how many know there's a lot of times we think we got the Lord's back, and we really mean well. Tonight, until we're faced with the circumstance. But how I many know when the rubber met the road, Peter did not make the cut and he denies the Lord just like he said three times, and all of a sudden the rooster crowed. Now, watch this. I got a friend in Tennessee that said this and really touched me. Am I ministering to you all right tonight? You know, having lived on a farm, I can tell you this, when a rooster crows, man, it is like an alarm clock. First sign of daylight, that dude will get outside your window, and you think, I'm gonna get a 22 and shoot that dude and have him for dinner. But man, my pastor friend in Tennessee simply said this. He said, when the rooster crowed, what we do is we, 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 we assume that the rooster crowed to rat Peter out and condemnation hit his, hit his heart. But really the truth of it is the rooster was not crowing to rat Peter out. The rooster was crowing to announce a new day to Peter. What he was saying is, yesterday, Pete, you couldn't do this, but I'm about to give you the Holy Ghost. And when I'm done with you, you're going to be bold enough to stand up before 3,000 and preach the gospel. Because see, what Peter didn't have before that is he didn't have the Holy Ghost. He had good intentions. He had strong will, double the efforts. Come on, somebody, rededicate, recommit. He trying hard. Peter really means it but without the power of the Holy Spirit. What I'm trying to tell you is there's a lot of stuff that's impossible with man that when God puts the Holy Ghost inside of you, hallelujah, it's going to be the catalyst to release everything, hallelujah, that we need to have. Now, that's powerful to me. But here's the context of it. In verse number uh, 36, I want to pick up there. Well, let me pick up in verse number 34. Now let me pick up 31. Therefore, when he was gone, this is John 13, 31. Therefore, when he was gone out, of Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified. And God is glorified in him. Now this is right after he dipped it, gave him the sop. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while, and I am with you, and you seek me; you shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment. Say new commandment. Let me let me tell you something. Right, circle this. Circle the word new right there. This is important, and you'll need it later. Maybe not tonight, but somebody's going to challenge you on something. A new commandment. Say a new commandment. Yeah. I come I come A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one to another. See, we get in a lot of arguments, a lot of times people are saying when we're preaching about being freed from the law, they'll come up and say, well, you know, Jesus taught, you know, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I want to tell you, he gives a new commandment, and the commandment he gives is that you love one another. So he's talking about the commandments that he gave. Is that alright? That, that may not mean anything to anybody else, but it'll mean something to somebody watching. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, where you go? Where you going? And Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but you will follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why can I not follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say to you, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Now you see the context. Now I want you to notice something. In the scriptures, the writers added the chapters and the numbers of the verses. How I many of know that's not in the original language? That was added. So what we do is we stop there and we think when he opens the next chapter, he's moving from here to another subject. But what I want you to see is he's saying, Pete, I know you mean it now, but where I'm going, you can't follow me now. But you're going to follow me. You're, you are going to follow me. And Jesus answered him, "Wilt thou lay down your life for me? And, and for my sake, verily I say to you that the cock shall not crow to You have denied me thrice. What's the next words? See, here's the context heat you're gonna blow it matter of fact before the rooster crows you're gonna deny me three times but let not your heart be troubled and that blesses me watch this let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me now stay with me because I'm gonna really open some powerful stuff here in my father's house are many mansions If it were not so, I would have told you. I go, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, say this with me, where I am. Now you may want to circle that because we're going to draw a line here for a moment because I'm going to tell you where he is. He said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. I'm going to take you where I am. And, and uh, he said, and, and, um, and whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said unto him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said, watch, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the father, and it suffices us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip. In other words, everything I've demonstrated to you has been a demonstration of a father loving on his creation. And he said, "He he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou unto them? How sayest thou then? Show us the Father. Believest thou not that I am in the Father? Now, now, I want you to read this with me again. Believest thou?" Not that I am in the Father and the Father in me, and that the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but my father that dwells in me, he doeth the work. Now go back up to verse three. I'm taking my time so I'm deliberately openness for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, that where I am, say that with me, that where I am, you may be also. What I did was I drew a line from those three words, where I am, down to verse 10. Because in verse 10, it says, Believest thou not that I am in the Father? I don't know if you're seeing where I'm going with this. What he says, I, where I'm going to take you is not a location. This is more than a geographical location. When you die, you get to live in a big house somewhere. Now, I'm going to work this pouch a little bit. But the whole context here is I'm introducing the Father. Yeah. And what I want you to know is that uh, you can't come now but you're about to come where I am because up to this point you didn't have the spirit of the Son sent forth in your heart crying Abba. You couldn't call God Daddy yet. But I'm about to go to prepare that place for you. that Where I am. Where am I? I'm in the Father. And the Father's in me. That's where I want you to be. I want you to be in the Father and the Father to be in you. That's where I want you. And all of sudden, uh, Hallelujah. Now, now I feel the preacher but let me calm down. Calm down. I hear my grand daughter she says this to me calm down happy calm down i get going like a freight train because i get excited about this believest thou not that i am in the father and the father in me and the words that i speak unto you i speak not of myself but the father that dwells in me he does the works believe me that i am in the father and the father in me or else believe me for the very works sake verily i say unto you he that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also watch this, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Can I tell you, if you just simply connect the words I, that where I am, where are you going? I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life, and we think that's some geographical location. But the truth of what he was saying is, the way, the truth, and the life is the way, the truth, and the life to the Father. What he's talking to them is not a ticket to heaven, it's a way into the Father. Now, I'm not trying to take heaven from you, stay with me for a moment. I'm just trying to tell you the context here. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.